Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Magic Tavern. My name is Giuliano. I'm Siggy. And in today's episode, we will cover uh, minor news from uh, Wizards. And we have a spoiler from Amon Cat, I think. It, it should be a spoiler. Yeah. Um, I hope it so. has the set symbol on it, so <laughs> it is a spoiler. And we will look at two new standard decks um, that. Yeah, uh, astonishing. So uh, one is an uh, evolution of an uh, old deck, and one is a... Uh, it, it's not a new deck, but it's surprising that it even shows up <laughs> in a standard uh, meta game. Hmm. I would say. I'm not sure. I think you could actually call it a completely new deck, because what it does play with a bunch of cards that were good in an earlier standard format, it sort of takes a different approach to everything. Yeah. But uh, first things first, we will cover the news. Um, well, it's a pretty big article, I would say, that could be handled in two lines. And those so, would be? Um, those would be um, Channel Fireball will cover all Grand Prix events from 2018. Uh, um, and that's because they're good at it. Yeah. Period. <laughs> That's so, basically um, it. Yeah. They, um, well, as I said, um, from 2018, uh, they will cover every Grand Prix. And yeah, they did, I think, four per year themselves. Uh, might be. They did a couple. I definitely know that. And uh, at least last year, all of the Channel Fireball organized Grand Prix were very well received which is probably why Wizards decided to go with them as their, like, sole tournament organizer. Yeah, it's good for the players, it's good for them, it's good for Wizards. And, yeah, I'm really looking, looking up for it. And, yeah. yeah. I think it's going to be pretty cool uh, that we here in Europe are going to get some uh, Channel Fireball organized Grand Prix as well. Oh yeah, sure. I I don't know. The, uh, we are going to two events. Are they from Star City Games? I think. No, no, no. Um, they are probably organized by an a, an entirely different set of tournament organizers. I don't know which one specifically, but we can look that up after the show. Yeah, we will write it down maybe. Um, yeah, that's the news. A two-liner yeah. in a big article. Yes, uh, I mean, spoilers, yeah. You could also consider those news, but it's they are... just one. We yeah. can talk a little bit about it, a, bit long, uh, a little bit longer, uh, because it's a really nice spoiler. Yeah, and, I uh, mean, uh, you could say that if we really wanted to, we could talk about this from dusk till dawn. We did it. A bad pun. All right, um, yeah. Dusk till dawn. The card is a uh, uh, double, f not, not not double faced. It's a double card, like the old ones where you have two spells on one card. Mm. Only this time, a little bit different. You have <laughs> also two spells on one card, but the one side of it, <laughs> the, the flipped one. So uh, we will post a picture, obviously, um, if you uh, not seen it anyway. So um the flipped one you you can only cast if it if it is on your in your graveyard. Yes. Um, so you have to exile it after that obviously but um you can only cast it after it is in your graveyard so if you cast it last turn or this turn or it you, you milled it whatever. Yeah, so, as long as it somehow hit your graveyard you can use the effect to cast it from the graveyard. Now this is really cool for a lot of different reasons that we will go into right after we've actually said what the card does. Yeah, um, as bad pun you mentioned, um, Dusk is the first spell. Four mana, two white, a sorcery, destroy all creatures with power greater or equal to three. So with that mana cost and that effect, it's basically a aggro card for... I think maybe something like White Weenie again. Yeah. So you can say, okay, 
your creatures are bigger than mine, no problem. Dusk. So, yep. then you cast it, it hits your graveyard, and then Dawn appears for 5 mana, 2 white, sorcery. Um, I f I, I'm not really sure, it's just a translation. I think the spoiled card is French or something uh, like I that. Think Portuguese. Portuguese. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And um, so it's just a translation. Um, we don't know if it if it's called that way, um, but the effect in the translation is consequence. Um, it says cast this spell only from your graveyard, then exile it, and then return all creature cards with power less than or equal to two from your graveyard to your hand. Yeah. So definitely a white weenie card. So you destroy all the big creatures of your opponent and in the late game if you happen to go to the late game you can say well here are my creatures again yep you know i kind of have a theory about this uh, do you remember rally the ancestors uh yes now i think that in design this card was actually meant to return the creatures to the battlefield and not to your hand or oh, that that would be just insane. Yep. And because, like, that would have been even better flavor wise, obviously. And but you can't do it. You have to <laughs> add something like uh, then exile it in your end step, but still, it would be just too strong. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Rally the Ancestors during its uh, heyday. I, mean, I, I think Rally the Ancestors was instant speed. Was it instant speed? No, it was also sorcery, but it, all the creatures were um, sacrificed into the um, hollow guy, whatever, so he hit it harder. Do you remember? Uh, oh, you mean uh, to Nantuko Husk? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. So um, it doesn't even matter which creatures returned, because all of them were just sacrificed into it. Yeah. So um, you can still do something like that if we get war imagine if we get an taku husk again in amon cat mm, it I would think... make sense see uh nantuko husk specifically is not even necessarily needed in this kind of deck because uh instead all you really needed from it was the sacrifice outlet you didn't need like the plus one plus one necessarily of course it was a nice bonus and all but its main use was to be able to sacrifice creatures. So if you imagine that this one brought back creatures to the battlefield, you uh, could have had something like... Can we still play Zulaport Cutthroat? I sure. think so, yeah. Sure, it's Battle for Zanikar. Yeah, so you could have had a Zulaport Cutthroat. You could have had like a bunch of one-mana creatures or those uh, Eldrazi Scions. And you could have had a sacrifice outlet like uh, Yaheni from... Ether, wait, yeah, she was an Ether Revolt, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you could use that to uh, sacrifice everything, then you bring it back with Dawn, you sack it again, and you drain your opponent for, like, 15, 16 health or something. Yeah, obviously, something like that. But just that is enough to be too powerful. Yeah. So um, I think for a rare card, um, yeah, it's, it's a rare card, we forgot that. Um, it's th I think it's on point. It's exactly, exactly right. Yeah, it's from the power level. It's very flex, uh, flexible because you've got two cards in one. Basically, of course, there are uh, there are some conditions that apply to it in order to be able to cast the second part. But just like at the base level, you've got two cards in one, which is always very good. And on top of that, you have an effect that provides you with a lot of card advantage if you build your deck the right way. Exactly. And we have to look, uh, have to wait till more Amoncat spoilers come and then we will see if maybe White Weenie comes back. Definitely. It would be really refreshing for the format if we get a really aggressive deck so all the stupid combi cats <laughs> can go to hell. Well, they, they are overrun by Maru, uh, yeah. but, you know, something even more aggressive. That would be interesting to see, definitely. And I'm also really uh, interested to see what the rest of this uh, 
consequence cycle is going to be like because i'd imagine that you get at least one of each color as a rare yeah but then maybe some at like uncommon maybe a common one or two yeah i don't know maybe uncommon i don't think that we get some comments because two cards for one on one card uh, two spells on one card is just right too powerful for a common i think that might be yeah i'm just i was just thinking it may happen because they uh bothered to keyword it and everything they so it's gonna they, be like a main mechanic in the set yeah they they built our own print cycle so it should be worth it for them yeah I can imagine that it will uh, return in Hours of Devastation, so... Oh, true. Yeah, could be a base mechanic like Energy from Ether Revolt and um, Kaladesh. Yeah. So, um, let's see. But um, what I can add to, it, uh, to, to that is I'm really surprised because every time I think they did it, uh, they did all mechanics, they can't do anything new, they come with that. <laughs> so it's not it's basically not a entirely new mechanic but it's reworked and made yeah. interesting again because to be honest the old double cards are just okay here you have two spells on one card have fun with it yeah you can cast one or the other or both if you can pay for it yeah and this time it is yeah you get one spell and the other one you have to do something for it so Hmm. Yeah, this is this is really cool. I also really like the artwork on it because uh, it weirdly or interestingly enough has two different artworks. They're both very similar, just uh, like they're both kind of a bright light on the horizon. But in one case, it's red, which is obviously for the destroy spell. How else would it be? And in another case, it's like bright and yellow and more welcoming in a way. And that one is obviously used for the returning uh, creatures from the graveyard part. Yeah. So, um, thumb, thumbs ups for Noah Bradley. Bradley? Yeah, he Bradley? is... Uh, Good work. Yeah, he is definitely one of the uh, more prolific Magic the Gathering artists, to put it that way. But I'd say uh, enough of this one card for now. We're... Yeah, we got uh, like 260 more <laughs> as the spoilers begin. Yep. Um, so, um, yeah. Let's Just... go back to standard, shall we? Yeah. Okay, so uh, this week we've brought two different decks. The uh, first of which we're going to talk about now. It's Black Green Eldrazi, played by Alan Gingrey at the SCG Standard Classic in Indianapolis. Yeah, uh, it took the fourth place, which is really good for SCG. And yeah, as I said, it's kind of a new deck because Razi were pushed out for a long time. They were popular back in uh, Zendikar days Mm -hmm. and a little bit in... uh, What what came after Zendikar? Shadows. Shadows, yeah. Um, Okay, they only were popular in Zendika days. <laughs> in Shadows, there was entirely other things. Um, yeah, so we get Eldrazi back for a short moment of time. And this deck is really nasty to play against if you mm-hmm. play creatures. It's just ugh, ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous. And again, we have this scrappy scrounger. Yeah, obviously. Obviously, it's a really strong card in every deck which plays black i would say mm-hmm. but uh let's start at the top of the um of the creatures we have 22 creatures um which the first is nanum renegade yeah nanum renegade a one mana drop for green which has one two and death touch it has also a revolt trigger the, um so he gets a plus one plus one counter i think what is a uh, what is a was yeah. it a counter? It enters yeah. with a counter. Oh, yeah. Um, it enters or it gets? It enters. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah, you don't really play it for the reward. It's just a really nasty card to play against. A 1-2 with death touch. Yeah. Yeah, just bad. <laughs> and the next card is also bad. 
the gifted Eaterborn, Death Touch and Lifelink for two mana, both black. Also nasty. <laughs> so you pretty much don't want to fight against that. Yeah. This deck does sort of a weird thing where um, on one hand you've got creatures that are probably bigger than most of the creatures your opponents play. But on the other hand, you've also got these cheap creatures that can trade with your opponent's big creatures really well. So you can keep sending your big guys at them while you leave your small guys to block. Exactly. Um, except for Scrappy Scrounger, he can't block. Yeah. Obviously, as the card text says. Um, but it is just... Uh, I hate this guy. I love this guy and I hate this guy. You don't want to kill it because it returns it returns anyway but you can't leave it on the field because a two mana three two is just ridiculous mm -hmm. and it's not even legendary so you can have it in multiples yeah Whew. um all right next now, up Dildrazis, the meta reap shaper we have four copies of oh yeah we forgot to mention the copies um we have four nanom renegades three gifted etherborns and four scrappy scroungers also four meta reshapers um, if you can't remember, if it uh, it's a 3-drop for 1 colorless and 2 generic, 3-2. If it dies, you can reveal the top card of your library. If it's, a, I think, a creature, a, a permanent, with 3-CMC yeah. or less, you can put it on the battlefield. If not, you draw it. Yeah, this is so, incredible. This is just exactly like the other, uh, other cards. You don't want to kill it. Yeah, because it's, it's just... It's going to give your opponent an advantage either way. Because, uh, first of all, it's a 3-2 on the battlefield, quite aggressive, similar to Scrap Heap Scrounger in the sense that it just keeps coming in for three. And as you said, you don't want to kill it. And at the same time, when it dies, you either get ramped, because you gain a land, you get something onto the battlefield, one of the uh, cheaper creatures we just mentioned, or other things we're going to talk about in a bit, or you just draw a card. Yeah, in the worst case, you just draw a card. And if the worst case is draw a card, I'm, <laughs> I'm it. I, I'm in. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If it, yeah, Metal Reshaper is just awesome, nasty. Um, the next card is <laughs> also just ridiculous. <laughs> Thought not seer, a good old friend, still expensive to this day i think because he's played in um legacy he's played basically everywhere okay modern legacy and even vintage holy cow um yeah you, you can't uh, play it with uh, with metal reshaper which is good because you want i think you want to cast it yeah it, it has on a uh, no no it's on... etb trigger oh etb well Anyway, you you can't put it on the battlefield with Metal Reshaper, but you can draw it with Metal Reshaper. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just bad for your opponent anyway. Um, if you can't remember either, um, when it en <laughs> sorry when it enters the battlefield, you can look at the uh, hand of your opponent and um, exile, I think, or I, I can't read it. Yeah, it's you exile small. a non-land card. So it doesn't matter which CMC it has. Yeah. So, an online card. You can just take anything, basically. And when it leaves the battlefield, your opponent gets to draw a card. But that doesn't really matter, because with these uh, types of card draw... No, discard spells, sorry. You can usually assume that you take something valuable from your opponent's hand and replace it with something that's probably not as valuable. Yeah, also... Uh... He has to put a, or he has to put a lot of creatures against it to kill it, mm -hmm. or something big, or a grasp of darkness or whatever. So he wasted basically a removal spell on it, just to draw draw a card. It, it's basically, as you said, for the cast, it's a two for two to remove it with the removal spell. But yeah, you don't get anything better yep. than what is removed. Yeah, because there's. Like one interesting thing to consider about these types of cards is that uh, yes, card advantage is obviously a very well-known concept. However, there's more than just card advantage 
Now, if you look at a card like Thought Knots here, not only do you gain card advantage while it's still on the field, because you are two for one your opponent until it's dead, but you also gain mana advantage, because your opponent's going to have to spend some extra mana to uh, get rid of it, probably. And you gain a virtual card advantage, in the sense that I described earlier, where you take a good card and replace it with a bad card. Oh, and what we didn't mention, but is obviously you get insight. You see oh, yeah. your opponent's hand. And this Definitely. Is, this is really powerful. Mm -hmm. If you look at modern, that's the main reason why uh, the Gitexin probe was banned. Because yeah. a free look at your opponent's hand is fatal in a format where, where you win on turn three easily. So if you see your opponent's hand and you know he can't bluff he, he doesn't yeah. have anything against you you can just go fall on your on his face so <laughs> absolutely um yeah so um enough of the thought notes here the next card also really really nasty yes uh, an absolute pain to deal with um reality smasher three copies Everyone knows it. An interesting fact about this card, while it was in development, it originally costed uh, colorless, 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 instead of four and a colorless. So why did they, did they change, it? change it? Because it uh, would have been much harder to cast that way, obviously. And uh, they did want it to see some amount of play. They did underestimate just how good it would be, because, I mean, uh, if you remember Pro Tour Oath of the Gatewatch, Reality Smasher just smashed everything. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, I remember the Legacy deck. Is it yeah, Legacy, where just... Uh, it was... I, I don't know where it was. Where um, uh, Eye of Ugin and the Drazi Temple... That where was to get modern, modern yeah. Of the Gatewatch. Yeah, and I think Eye of Ugin was banned, right? Yep. Yeah, because it's just ridiculous to play a reality smasher that soon and smash your opponent mm -hmm. with it. Yeah. And casting um, free, uh, what was it? Eldrazi Mimics. Yeah, right. Yeah, that was. So busted. you have an Eldrazi Mimic, then you cast a reality smasher, you have two reality smashers, and then you <laughs> just smash. Yep. And, I mean, you just gotta think that these cards, Thought.Seer and Reality Smasher, are good enough to win a bunch of games of Vintage. Yeah. Like, that uh, basically says enough. Uh, Razi, uh, I really like the, the fact that the Razi cards are always uh, kind of uh, two-for-one. So Thought Not Seer has an extra effect, the Meta Reshaper has an extra effect, Reality Smasher is just smashing, <laughs> mm -hmm. but it's just really powerful. So uh, an Adrazi is always a really fierce opponent, so you Absolutely. don't want to face it. And in this case, you face. It everything. faces you. It faces you. Yeah. Okay, um, so that's the creature suite of the deck. Uh To sum it up really quickly, we've got a bunch of Eldrazi, as you said. They uh, all have a tendency to provide you with a lot of advantages over the course of the game. You have the Scrap Heap Scrounger, who also is just an insane card advantage engine, because he just keeps coming back. And you've got the Gifted Aetherborn and the Narnum Renegade to deal with stuff from your opponents, to have early drops. And both of those are just, A, hard to fight with, and B, provide a lot of good early value. Yeah, maybe we can um, just skip the spells for a moment and go to the artifact, because this is important for the creatures. Um, the Cultivator's Caravan is a really good choice, oh, because yeah. it provides colorless mana. Which no. Is, no, of any color. Yep. Ah, you can't, you can't do colorless mana with it. You exactly. It. But well, it's still it, incredible. It's still incredible, because it costs only three mana, so you can put it with a mana reshaper. Mm -hmm. So... If you if your opponents kill a metal reshaper, you block with it and it dies. Um, in the best case, you put a cultivator's caravan. You have an extra mana, 
and you can go full on, I don't know, pedal push maybe. Sure. Which or we have Nanum Renegade. Yeah, which we have four copies of it. If you go back to the spells. Yeah. Obviously Fatal Push just an insane card. The value of this card is absolutely stupid. Mm-hmm. It's it's like I think on four or five euros. Yeah. Should be uh, on on uh, MTG Goldfish we have dollar prizes, so um yeah. Uh copy is like um yeah. I think it's like five dollars yeah. per copy, which is quite outrageous for a standard legal uncommon card. It's just stupid. And the I funniest th- part is the foil version costs thirty dollars. Ah, you're fucking with me. Thirty dollars for mm-hmm. a foil version of it of a set that is ripped to pieces in openings. Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> but yeah, uh, let's keep going. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, three copies of Grasp of Darkness, obviously, because why not? Two transgressed mind, just because of the flavor, I would say, but also be- uh, because it's a good card. Two ruinous path, I think, to deal with all the planeswalkers. Yeah, because we are seeing a lot of planeswalkers in basically the top two decks right now, which are obviously uh, Mardu. Yeah, and Gideon is just... I think we can skip that with Gideon. Gideon is stupid. And Irina's Path is a beautiful way to deal with them. And the other uh, Planeswalker deck is obviously all of the different flavors of Sahili combo, which Irina's Path also helps against. At least when uh, the Sahili player is a bit greedy and decides to go something like turn 3 Sahili and attempts to go turn for Felidar Guardian. Runa's Path is quite good at punishing this kind of line. Yeah. We just have two copies of it, but um, I think it, that's enough. Yeah, especially with uh, seven more just creature removal cards in there. Yeah. So the land phase is not that um, exciting. We can skip it, maybe. Yeah. I think there's one land that's oh, worth we... talking about, and that's the Blighted Fen. Because, first of all, it provides colorless mana, which is obviously good when you're playing a bunch of Eldrazi that need colorless to be cast. And uh, the other cool part about it is that you can pay five and sack it to make your opponent sack a creature. So if they have one big creature you can't deal with, you just use Blighted Fen, and uh, while doing that, you can trigger Revolt at instant speed. This is nice. So you get a Nanum Renegade with 2-3 for 1 mana. Yeah, or nice. a 4 mana Fatal Push if that's what you're looking oh, for. Oh yeah, exactly. We, uh, I just forgot Fatal Push <laughs> has a Revolt. Um, yep. But yeah. Also we have a Spire of Industry. Pretty industri- interesting. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. How many artifacts we have? Only the Cultivator's Caravan. No. Scrap Heap Scrounger. Oh yeah, exactly. Forgot that. <laughs> Well, um, just look at this. Uh, yeah, just look at the sideboard. Yeah. Um, also, nothing really that exciting, but uh, a few cards are interesting. Yeah, we've got uh, two copies of Fleetwheel Cruiser. So we, we discussed this uh, discussed this before the cast. So um, I asked why would he put two Fleetwheel Cruisers? I I would think he didn't even sideboard it. So. Explain it again. I think it's quite good here because Fleetwheel Cruiser is basically your fourth and fifth copy of Reality Smasher. Both of them have Trample and Haste. They can both attack the turn they enter the battlefield since Fleetwheel Cruiser becomes an artifact creature until end of turn when it ETBs. And another really cool thing about this one is that... It's a reality smasher that does not require you to have colorless mana. Yeah, and it costs one less, so it costs yeah. only four, <clears throat> obviously. Um, yeah, that's basically the explanation for it. Um, yeah, so when you uh, get into the type of game where you can't really assemble a board state against your opponent because, I don't know, you keep trading back and forth or they're a control deck and they counter all of your stuff, then you can bring in your two fleet wheel cruisers because they are really good at doing something 
on an empty board. Just like Reality Smasher. Yeah. Exactly. Um, what's also interest interesting are the three copies of Eternal Scourge. Yeah. So to... Um, yeah, let's start um, with explaining what does Eternal Scourge in this deck. So basically, um, it's it's just nasty to remove um, all the creatures you already have for your opponent. So um, you really don't want to remove a meta reshaper, but it has to die mm -hmm. at some point. You want to kill a Thought Not Seer, so you maybe want to yeah hold up a removal spell for it. And if you know your opponent has a Reality Smasher, you really need a removal spell for it. Yep. So Eternal Scourge, as it says, um, it becomes exiled if it uh, if it's a target of something of your opponent. Um, but that doesn't matter because it comes back every time from exile if you cast it from exile. Yeah. So um, your opponent can't really afford to use a removal spell on it. He, he can only kill it, but. This also doesn't matter because it's a 3-3, three, three, so it trades really, really well. So if your opponent decides to deal with it with a removal spell, he loses a removal spell against your real threats like Reality Smasher. Yeah, so it's absolutely. Guessed, it gets even worse for your opponent to yep. deal with your creatures. Eternal Scourge is a card that's really good in a matchup against a deck that's trying to accumulate card advantage against you so uh the deck that does this the most in standard right now is probably the green black decks because they have efficient creatures that get bigger that can trade well etc and they try to like two for one you occasionally and so on now eternal scourge just like a lot of other creatures in this deck tries to prevent that getting two for one and this means that if you're up against this sort of deck, you can board in Eternal Scourge to get even more creatures that can provide this sort of incremental value over time. And that should usually win you this type of matchup. And obviously it did, because Alan Jingri got, uh, took fourth place, so... Yeah, um, well, we have the other cards are Harsh Crudeny, Natural State, Natural obsoles Obsolescence, Transgress the Mind. Well, the usual stuff. One yeah. Liliana, the last hope, because why not? Yeah, she's <laughs> still good. Yeah. So basically, th this is um, yeah, not that of a cheap deck, but I, I can imagine most of these cards um, are in your possession if you play a lot of magic, so it should, shouldn't should be that expensive mm -hmm. to um, play. Yeah, if you've been playing standard from, like, uh, Oath of the Gatewatch onward, and you're a collector, or a bit of a collector, then you probably have at least some copies of most of these cards. But, yeah, I think that's basically it for Black Green Eldrazi. Uh, let's take a look at the second deck for today yeah um how should we approach that should we really go deep into it or should we sure just... why not okay then just begin okay uh the second deck we're talking about is one that's been doing fairly well against a lot of the popular decks lately and that's teamer tower it's basically a Dynavolt Tower control deck, kind of similar to the uh, Dynavolt Tower control deck in blue-red that we had during uh, Kaladesh, Kaladesh standard. Yeah, Kaladesh. Yeah. It now adds a third color in the form of green, and that unlocks a lot of different things. Now, the uh, initial popular version of this deck was made by Shota Yasuoka, the uh, winner of... Pro Tour Kaladesh. He is known to be a control master, so uh, it only makes sense that a deck he specifically builds to combat the meta will do well against the meta. And I'd say let's uh, quickly go over his initial version here first. 
So, uh, yeah. Um, what's really interesting? He, I think he only plays twenty-one lands. Yep. Yeah. Which one of it? Uh, which um, five are forests and only one island and one mountain? So, um, yeah. That's that's interesting because he plays a lot of blue th stuff. So mm. um, having only one island um, is feels yeah. weird. It feels weird because you have your um, you you play green basically because of attune with ether. So mm -hmm. you want to get your um, basic lands out of your deck. So if you only have one island as a target, and maybe you need a second one or a second blue mana. Yeah, you can't get it. So, yeah. um, and you have, we can just um, jump through the deck. We don't have, I think we don't have to explain it from yeah. uh, from the top. Um, you have Torrential Gearhog, Shield Ether Thief, um, Rogue Refiner. You have Anticipate, um, Glimmer of Genius, I think, Negate, White Shatter. So a lot of blue stuff. Yeah. And a lot of it has double blue. So you want to... Yeah, make sure that you have double blue yeah, on your you, field. Just from looking at this, it kind of makes me feel like I want access to double blue by turn three. Because we've got the uh, Void Shatter, so we might want to react to our opponent's turn three play with a Void Shatter or something similar. And uh, we've got the Torrential Gearhulk later on. Which is, as you said, also double blue. Yeah, I can understand. You have a Spire Bluff Kennel, a Lumbering Force, a Botanical Sanctum, and an Ether Hub, which all of that can be blue. But Botanical Sanctum, I think, um, can enter the battlefield untapped, but you have to have a basic land on your hand. No, 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 that's one? the fast land. Oh, yeah, that's the fast land. Um, but yeah, you have to draw it early on. Yeah. So. That's the first problem. Ether Hub can only do one blue. And yeah. uh, you want to keep your energy for something else. You don't want to spend all the time energy to make yeah, colors, color I mean, ma colored mana. We've, mana. Uh, we've talked about how this deck is a Dynavolt Tower deck. So you obviously want to use your Dynavolt Tower to shoot things. And uh, we've got the Shielded Ether Thief in here that you've also already mentioned. That's can use the energy we generate from all of the things we do to draw cards, which is obviously always good in a control deck. Yeah, so we can afford really to put all your our energy to make blue mana. So then Lumbering Force enter all the time tapped, because it's a man land. Um, Inspire Bluff Kennel also is um, a fast land, so you have to draw it early on. Mm -hmm. So And you have five forests and a mountain, so... Yeah, yeah, it's re it's not one hundred percent sure that you have double blue all the time. Yeah, I can understand what he did there with the forests, especially with the uh, rogue refiner in the deck. However, I don't completely agree with it because these fastlands are going to enter the battlefield tapped in for like what amounts to probably over sixty percent of any given game, since you are a control deck and you do want to drag the game out. Yeah, basically, you have eight fast lands, which only two of them enter untapped. So you basically have six tapped lands. or Three. Two, three. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, sorry. Three of them enter uh, untapped, and the rest of it are just five tapped double lands. Yep. So, um, I, I don't know. I, if you play that much um, basic lands, I think our uh, Innistrad double land would be, I think, better. Yeah, as an, it's hard I, to say. I, I, I mean, two Spire Bluff Kennels and two from um, Shadow. Uh, I don't, one they were from Shadows, the yeah, they were, lands. Exactly. Yeah. So, it could be... No, um, you. But then you would have to play the. Uh, uh, which one is it? You only have red green as your. Uh, yeah, Shadowland. It was uh, so game, trail. game game trail. Yep. Yeah, 
and you don't really need a red green land in this deck. That's yeah. kind of the issue there. But oh yeah, yeah. But you understand what I, what I mean. So yeah, um, you have basically five five normal double lands, and this yeah. is bad. So it's hard to say. I, I wouldn't call it bad per se, because I think I can sort of understand why he's trying to do it. Because if you look at this deck, there's basically two sort of phases it's in. The first phase is the one where it requires you to have untapped lands from turn 1 to turn 3 to be able to uh, cast your... Eth not Ether Hub, what's it called? The Tune with Ether. Your turn 2 play, which is probably going to be a Negate or an Anticipate or a Harnessed Lightning, something similar. And you want... Or a Shielded Ether Thief, of course which is probably the best one if you're looking to gain a lot of value over time, and you want your untapped land on turn 3 for Rogue Refiner, Void Shatter, Dynavolt Tower, and so on. So that's the first phase of the deck. And in order to guarantee that you get those 3 untapped lands, he plays uh, 4, 8, 13, 14, 15, 19 lands in his deck, that will make you the color of mana you want on turns 1 to 3. However, this deck also has a second phase, and that's the, uh, let's say, long game phase. You've got Glimmer of Genius, Torrential Gearhulk, obviously, and uh, Brutal Expulsion, one copy of even. Those are the big spells that you want to cast later on in the game to uh, over start overwhelming your opponent. And that's where tapped lands are not quite as important because after you've sort of gotten through the first couple of turns, you can start or you sort of get comfortable in a way. So you can afford to have those lands tapped, but I don't know. There's a big difference between casting a Torrential Gearhug on turn 6 and casting one on turn 7 in my opinion. Yeah, sure. I mean, standard is not the fast format, but it's still fast enough to kill you on f uh, turn five or six, even. Yeah. And if you're too late, uh, if your opponent establish establishes a really good board on turn six, and you didn't cast your torrential gear because you didn't have your double blue, and you cast it on turn seven, your opponent can just literally say, uh, literally say, well, <laughs> yeah. GG. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah, so um, we, we can say it, uh, in this article, it's exactly what uh, the author uh, said that this deck, uh, the weakness of this deck is. So um, it's basically the mana base yeah. in some sort of way. And also, what he didn't like um, was the Rogue Refiner. Mm -hmm. um, he explained it because he really didn't like it so um he didn't really um explain it so why he didn't like it he just said that just kind of it just kind of felt weird to play it so some of his friends also said we just immediately immediately stopped to play it in mm -hmm. some way so um yeah I, I, I can't think he just wanted to put something more valuable in this deck. yeah and i completely agree with that i mean Rogue Refiner is a good card, by all means. You get something with 3 attack for 3 mana that makes you energy, which you want, and draws you a card. Just like on the surface, it's great value, and it fits the deck well. However, if you consider what I just said about the two phases of this deck, then Rogue Refiner has no place whatsoever. There. It doesn't help you for your first phase. It doesn't really help you for your second phase. Because once you start with turn 4, you don't really want to be casting Rogue Refiners. You want to be casting like a Negate and an Anticipate, or a Glimmer of Genius, or something like that. Rogue Refiner is either too fast for the first phase, no, too slow for the first phase, or too fast for the second phase. Yeah, in that way, I also can understand why 
he doesn't want to play it. So we can look at the upgraded version, I think. Sure. Um, so we just go down. Um, we will um, link the article yeah, on Channel absolutely. Fireball so you can read it um, just on your pace. So we just skip it to the finished version. So we have in this time this time 22 lands, which is important for the sideboard. Um, we removed the uh, rock refiners, yep. so we only have three shielded ether thieves and four tarantula gearhogs. This is um, a really big point because he added this one extra land also for the fourth tarantula gearhog, so yeah. he can play it, obviously, yeah. and. Um, just to jump to the sideboard. Hang on, can, uh, uh, before we do that, we should go into that a tiny bit more because okay. the important part about changing the mana base here is oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. that instead of five forests and an island, he is playing three islands and three forests. That's what allowed him to have the mana on turn six to cast Torrential Gearhug reliably. Yeah, exactly. So um, also, a tune, a tune with Ether grabs your basic land so you're e even more flexible. Even yeah. if you have your double blue, you can say, "Okay, I need, uh, I really blue. need, I need, <laughs> really need triple blue. Uh, need, I really need this one red mana yeah. because of reasons." So, um, yeah, I mean, if you're on like turn five, triple blue is actually kind of important because you can go uh, void shatter or disallow, whichever one you prefer. And you can have the mana to anticipate afterwards. Yeah, and um, as I said, as I mentioned, um, what he did is to get rid of all the um, white shatters and add four copies of Disallow. Um, yeah, you're the blue player, so you can explain it explain it a little bit better than me. Definitely. So wait, no. That sounded mean. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no offense, but you're really... I'm not a blue player, so it's okay. Yeah, counter spells are one of my hobbies. Um, I will just destroy you. Void Shatter <laughs> is, in theory, quite good against a card such as Scrappy Scrounger. Because, uh, obviously... Scrappy Scrounger can come back from the graveyard, but it can't come back from exile. Cool. Um, but that's really all it does in the current standard meta. Yeah, the, the Green is... Black doesn't play graveyard recursion, and Mardu only really has Scrappy Scrounger. Yeah, besides that, there, there aren't many cards that you want to remove to exile. Yeah. So, um... Scrounger is the only one, really. Yeah, so even if you have a mirror matchup and you want, even then, you really don't want to exile your, your opponent's spells for um, to deny the Torrential Gearhawk. Mm -hmm. Because he will have, anyway, some cards to recurse with yeah. the Torrential Gearhawk, so it doesn't matter really. And Disallow, in theory, can even counter... Uh, Scrappy Scrounger's ability from the graveyard if you really needed to. Oh, what I read, um, if you counter, just go a little bit down um, um, or maybe a little bit up. <laughs> um, uh, where was it? Up, 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 up. Where he changes the disallows. Um, it was something like for... Damn, what, what was it? the? What did you it want to do? It was against... Um, the priced amalgam decks. Oh yeah, there is it. Oh, Stitchwing scab. Yeah. If you counter the trigger of Stitchwing scab. Oh Jesus. Oh man, the opponent just lost mana. <laughs> it just lost two cards. Yep. And he doesn't get a creature. Oh, that's, that's sick. That's that just sucks. <laughs> and he doesn't even get the. Uh, yeah, he doesn't get the priced amalgam triggers. <laughs> yeah. So it's damn just, nice. It's just a nope. You can't play. That is great value. But yeah, um. On top of that, disallow is just way, way more flexible. Like In the current standard. Yeah. To, to definitely. Add that. Like you can you can stop Sahili combo with it, even when it's already on the field. You can stop uh what's his face? Gideon from becoming a creature or making a token or ulting, whatever you want. 
Uh, other important activated abilities. Crewing, of course. If you want, yeah. yeah. Crewing is great to counter with Disallow. Because they tap their creatures and they don't get another creature for it. So they're basically shields down. That's that's really cool. I just noticed that. <laughs> nice. Uh, you just fell in love a little bit more with blue, I think. I do that every day. <laughs> okay, uh, other important things. Uh, the updated version increases the number of shocks over incendiary flow. Yeah, so um, why that? I think it's mainly because... Shock has just proven to be really versatile in the current standard environment. Incendiary flow costs one mana more and is sorcery speed only for three damage. On top of that, it's got the bonus exile clause, which, as we just said, is not particularly relevant. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh yeah, the one main board card, he explained um, why it is in there is natural obsolescence mm. and i really can't remember why <laughs> i read it like an hour ago and i just forgot it i think i know why okay explain scrap heap scrounger oh yeah <laughs> sure <laughs> it's an instant speed and oh yeah exactly oh now i remember um putting a card on the bottom of opponent's deck is really mean because yeah. He can't grab it, obviously. There aren't really effective tutor spells in this format. Not at all. Yeah. And it doesn't return from the graveyard. Yep. It doesn't return from hand. It's nowhere. It's just on the bottom of the deck where it remains. Yeah, and if it's not Scrap Heap's Grounder that's bothering you, you can also just comfortably remove a Heart of Kiran, for instance. Oh, yeah, sure. Or, or an opponent's Dynavolt Tower. Or an opponent's Etherworks Marvel. Anything which is an add effect. Yeah. So, that, all of that is pretty great. Let's see, are there any other big changes he's made to that list? Um, not really. Most of it was, I think, the sideboard a little bit. Or, or did he keep the sideboard? I forgot. Do you have an idea why he took out um, Brutal Expulsion? Absolutely not. Go back to Brutal Expulsion. What, what does yeah, it do? Yeah, let's have a quick look. Um, it's... Uh, uh, that's the uh, four mana, one blue, one red, Devoid Instant that bounces a spell or a creature, or it deals two damage to a creature or a Planeswalker. And it also has the Exile Clause, so that's probably why. Yeah, and 4 mana is really a lot. And, oh yeah, as you mentioned, it doesn't really fit in the two phases. So, well, it doesn't fit in the second phase, obviously, because it's a 4 mana spell. Um, You really don't want to bounce or do 2 damage for 4 mana? You just Mm -hmm. shock your opponent. You can shock your opponent 4 times with, with that mana. It's great at dealing with Scrap Heap Scrounger if you have no other ways of dealing with it. But, <laughs> I mean, I'd much rather just play a copy of Natural Obsolescence. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you look at the sideboard, so... Um, the Oh, yeah. So um, the Shooter Yazoka sideboard has um, Kozilek's Return and... Uh, ceremonious rejection and all that. Oh, oh, what I find in- interesting, um, what the author kept is the confiscation coup. That one is really cool, yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, uh, against what was it again? Um, artifact or creature? I think it's just against like, yeah, green. Against virtually anything. Like, you can you can steal... Like a winding constrictor, if you want to, you can steal an Etherworks Marvel. Oh, there's so much you can steal. You can even steal like a Dynavolt Tower from your opponent if they've got one. Yeah, in a mirror match maybe. Um, yeah, this, this is this is what he kept. What he um, 
get rid of was the Kozilek's return. Um, mm -hmm. I would say obviously because the the second yeah. clause can't be um, active can't be activated. Actually, yeah, wow, what? that's fascinating. He doesn't even have like an Elder Deep Fiend or something to activate it in the sideboard. I I do not like that at all. The Kozilek's return, like it doesn't fit into this deck. I feel. Yeah, it might be just um, he. I don't know. Maybe he he had Elder Deep Fiends. He removed them and forgot the sideboard. So, <laughs> but no, no, he's a he's a pro player. Yeah, he can't do it. Um, well, ju we just jump to the updated version. I would say. Sure. Um, and all the way down. Uh, Jesus. There the we sideboard. go. All right. Um, we still have the two confiscation cube. Um, we got one release, the Gremlins, which provided a really good. Really good removal card for yeah. artifacts. It's red, so um, we have our two mountains and the spire bluff kennels, so we can cast it. Yeah. Obviously, and release the gremlins has proven to be a really good sideboard card, even for decks like uh, the Mardu decks, both walking ballista and vehicles, because it deals with a lot of stuff and it leaves creatures behind. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so we have a negate, which is good against basically anything, which is uh, not uh, creature-based. Yeah, negate is really good right now. Um, we kept the three Whirler Virtuoso. He mentioned that he still doesn't like this card, but yeah, it's it's just good. Yeah. So The uh, great part about Whirler Virtuoso in this kind of deck is that when you're in top deck mode and you've got like a bunch of energy sitting around that you can't really do anything with, you can play your Whirl of Virtuoso and just make like six or seven power on the board all at once. Yeah, flying ones. Because yeah, right. <laughs> and yeah. that is incredibly good. Yeah. Oh, um, the two new cards, I, I really like them, um, are two Dragon Master Outcasts. And hmm. it's, uh, yeah, if we got in the late game and we have a lot of mana sitting around, which we can't spend uh, spend on something, we just get a Dragon Master outcast, we get every turn a 5-5 five, five dragon with flying and just trample over our, um, our opponent. Yeah. This card is really interesting because it's basically a card for the control mirrors. I've seen it played in like one or two sideboards before. And the fascinating thing about it is that in the late game, it's incredibly awkward for your opponent to have to spend a proper removal spell on a 1-1. Yeah. <laughs> but they need to because otherwise you're just going to have a bunch of dragons that your opponent probably can't deal with otherwise. Uh, otherwise. Yeah, and if you're in the late game, like, as you said, in a, on top deck mode, uh, your opponent has maybe one removal spell in his hand um, that he kept for, I don't know, maybe the Torrential Gearhog, and you come uh, you come with the Dragon Master outcast, and he just, just goes, shit, <laughs> I have yep. to remove that. Then he removes it, and you just go, well, there it is, the Torrential Gearhog. Exactly. So this card is fantastic for control mirrors and a very smart addition. Now, what else do we have? Um, a natural state, which is obvious, I think. Two radiant flames. Um, we already had them, I think. Yeah, it's just um, I think a logic. Um, it's just logic to add them because you're yeah. playing three colors. So why not? Did we Actually, have them? No. Shota Yasuoka did not play uh, Radiant Flames, so that's sort of the upgrade from Kozilek's Return. Yeah. Which I yeah. really like. Um, besides that... Uh, We've got three copies of this spell, and that's basically the sideboard. Yeah. So... I think it's kind of interesting how this whole sideboard for Tima Tower is geared to combat other control decks because if you look at the main board 
it deals really well with green black and it deals really well with the aggressive model decks and if you go to the sideboard i think what they did was they identified that like a jeskai sahili control matchup might be kind of hard to play because they have a tendency to get more card advantage so what they did was they put a lot of good answers for that matchup in the sideboard like yeah. the three dispels over say a second negate yeah exactly um if you look down um we don't have to explain that you can read it yourself but um he gives you a little bit of an um tutorial how to sideboard against yeah many decks and yeah it seems really well made so um i wanted to mention at the start um you can uh sideboard out uh, an island so a, a mana so you go back to 21 and just play all the cheap spells yeah definitely because you don't uh, um you don't have to forget a tune with ether is basically four more lands yes so you have 25 or 26 lands in your deck yeah and that's quite good but yeah there's, there's not much more to say about this deck if you want to read about it more in depth we're definitely going to link the article yeah and with that i think we're going to be done for this week yeah um sorry for the delay <laughs> yeah um, i uh got quite sick unfortunately but i'm back to good health and We'll uh, hopefully be able to bring you another episode next Wednesday. Exactly. And um, when do the spoilers begin again? On like the 2nd of April, I think. So we've still got a bit to go. Well, okay. Yeah, let's see. We we will have a little bit to talk about. Sure. But uh, yeah, that's it for this week. All right. Then uh, until next week. Until then.